Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Good morning, HCF. Well, the sun was out and it was very hot. And in the theater of my mind, I can see this man of God, this prophet of God, as he has made the nearly one-week journey traveling from the southern kingdom of Judah to the northern kingdom and the city of Bethel. As he approaches the city, the smells and the aromas of the countryside fade away, those smells of the vineyards and the olive trees and the barley fields. And as he enters the city, the adobe homes are lining the cobblestone streets, the sounds of the hooves of donkeys and horses, uh, but the smells are what he notices, the the bread that had been baking from the morning fires and and the smells from the animals and so much noise in the city. He was sent by God to speak and prophesy to a false altar. And he can smell the strongest aromas from the sacrifices being made. You see, there was a king named Jeroboam that was appointed by God, was given the ten northern tribes and a conditional promise that if he stayed true to the worship of Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this king, Jeroboam, would always have descendants on the throne. But he had done the same thing as Solomon. He had forsaken Jehovah, and he had fashioned a golden calf, actually two of them in two different places. One was here in Bethel, and also an altar, and he opened it up for anybody that chose to, to offer sacrifices on the altar. He makes his way up to the top, the high place, where the sacrifices are being made, and he enters the courtyard, and there's a, many people, a multitude of people. And there in front of him is King Jeroboam himself making sacrifice. And in that moment, the prophet of God raises his voice, and he says this, a son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. He said, on you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you. He said, now this will be a sign that this word of God is true. The altar where these sacrifices are being made will be split. And when Jeroboam heard what the man said, He responded back with a loud voice, and he said, silence him, apprehend him. And in that moment, as his hand points towards the prophet of God, his hand shrivels and freezes in place. I want to share a message today. I'm calling a voice in the darkness. A voice in the darkness. How many of you know that we are called to have a voice? Not just all the missionaries here, and I've already been filled with faith by these stories we have heard already this morning, but every one of us are called to be a voice, and the great thing is this, the voice we get to have is of the good news of Jesus Christ, (laughs) the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to thank HCF for your prayers, for the partnership with Amazon Outreach. Our booth is over here. My wife is with me. Uh, she's in the front row, and we'd love to meet with you and talk with you after the service about our ministry. But I want to show a few pictures. 
We'll go to the next slide if we can. And this picture I received on the opening day of our semester here, this, what they call the spring semester. And I was told by our Peruvian leadership that they were going to keep it to 40 students in the jungle because of the COVID issues. And so I know who our instructors are, and I know who all the ministers are, and I'm looking at this picture, and I count over 50 students at this academy. And so I, I wait a few days, and, and this is still troubling me, Pastor Scott, and so I call our, uh, the president of the Peruvian side of the mission, Guido Suarico, and I said, Guido, I, I, I see in this picture, I count more than 50 students. He, was, he said, well, in his Peruvian voice, he said, well, Brother David, I've been meaning to tell you, but we've had a great problem. He said, every day this week, more and more students arrive traveling from the, even the far tribes, and they would show up with their luggage, and they would show up so eager to hear the words of God and to learn about Jesus. He said, we just could not bear the thought to send them away, and so now, actually, we have 80 students here being trained to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so between the two Bible academies, 110 that are going to be sent out to be a voice in the darkness. And it's not always becoming evangelists or pastors or teachers. Uh, uh, most of these, probably two-thirds, will end up going out and they'll be nurses and doctors and, and they'll be boat drivers and they'll be teachers in schools and they will be ministers where God calls them and use their voice to be an influence. I want to go to the next slide and... Um, this, is, uh, this last year, COVID hit hard all over the world, and it was no different in the jungle. It came very quickly. I, I think Peru actually has some of the highest rates per capita of deaths, and uh, so many died in the jungle. We actually lost three of our pastors uh, that were pastoring churches, died to it. And this white flag, when you would see that on a home, that meant that the family was totally out of food. And they weren't asking for help from the government, but just from those around in the neighborhoods that if you have anything, you can help us with. And so thankfully, we were able to help tens of thousands through support that was given through Amazon Outreach and helping to feed those in need. I'm going to show this picture. Yeah, this is some of the food. This was a, a, a distribution in one town, and we give this out, also do another big meal for them, and then you get to preach the gospel. And just a report, in the villages in the jungle, there has been revival in those villages. Many people coming into the church, and many people wanting to serve Jesus once again, and leaving the darkness. Let's go to the next slide, and this is, uh, next slide is one of uh, an evangelist by the name of Juan Piranha. And Juan Piranha, more than 50 years ago, he was doing time in prison for killing another man. But one of my father's early disciples, Adino Valentin, a man that had been a leper and was a great evangelist, he loved just to share the gospel. So he went into this prison in Iquitos where Juan Piranha was doing time. He preaches the gospel. Juan gives his life to Jesus, gets radically saved, gets let out of prison just a short time later, and the first thing he does is come to the Mepi Bible Academy because he wanted to be an evangelist. He wanted to share what Jesus had done for him. He wanted to be a voice in the darkness. He was a wild guy, kind of a rogue he, a guy. He, he didn't like to take motocars or taxis. He always wanted to walk. He said, Jesus walked everywhere he went, and so I want to walk there as well. 
And so one day he was going to a town, he hadn't been to a city, and he was trying to go to a conference, and as he was walking, he kind of got lost, and he was thirsty, and so he asked these owners of this home, he asked the man, could I get a drink of water? The man gives him a drink of water, and he starts sharing his testimony with this family. They invite him into the home, he stays all night with them, the entire next day, the entire day after that, leading them to Christ and discipling them, he finally arrives for the close of the conference, but that's the kind of guy Juan Piranha was. And he passed away to COVID, him and his wife, just a few days apart. And I want to tell you, because he was a voice, there are thousands today that know Jesus and they know the goodness of the gospel that we're talking about today. I want to show this next picture of uh, the, the gal that leads, uh, she's a nurse practitioner, she leads our medical teams that we do medical and dental, and when COVID hit, she was working in a hospital, and she was one of only four nurses that did not get COVID, and so many of the doctors and the nurses even died, and she was working really more than two shifts because she would go out from the hospital and, and help all of the people in the churches that she knew, taking them medicine, caring for them, and, and I want to tell you, these were the heroes of this last year, those that put their life on the line day after day after day and releasing the goodness of God and being a voice for the Lord. I want to show this next picture. These are a couple of our House of Hope kids. You sent a team down a few years ago and you, the team visited the House of Hope and these children are on our radio program and they are uh, sharing their testimonies of what God has done for them. The girl with the black blouse, her name is Miriam. She's 12 years old. She's been coming since the inception of House of Hope. And, and her, some of you might recognize uh, who she is. And her story is that when she was one year old, her mother left to go to Lima with her grandparents and never came back. And because of that, all kinds of issues she had, all these physical issues were manifesting because of the abandonment. And they took her into a medical doctor and the medical doctor said there's nothing wrong with her body it's a psychological issue and so we were able to help get her a good Christian uh, counselor to help her with that and she came to faith in Christ at the house of hope feeding program and she's in the discipleship program for these teenagers and she had this burden to to be able to pray for her mother and I want to testify that just a couple of months ago, her mother, after all those years, after 11 years, returned to Iquitos, has been restored, and the testimony of the daughter has brought her mother to faith in Jesus, and now they're following Jesus together. And she was on that radio broadcast being a voice in the darkness. The other little girl, Karen, 13 years old, this last Wednesday when she, she had her birthday and she gave her testimony on the radio how she had just always been rebellious and grew up on the streets. Her mother had, had no education, not even kindergarten or first grade, and, and so just able to run on the streets. And she came into our program a couple of years ago, came to faith in Jesus. And so she started reading the Bible to her mother, and now she's teaching her mother how to read, and her mother has also come to faith in the Lord. I want to tell you, there's something about the younger generation that has a voice that will pierce the darkness. But I want to tell you, you know, at HCF and all these missionaries, we're, you know, we're equal opportunity when it comes to sharing the gospel. We'll take the elderly as well, right? I just heard from a missionary friend of mine of a lady that was 104 years old just this last week. They came to faith in Jesus, and these were her words. 
She said, I am so glad that I was able to live long enough to hear this. I want to tell you, there's a reason we're called to be voices in the darkness, and it's not just the missionaries. And I know we're celebrating global missions today, and I love that. It's in my DNA. I was born in Peru, but I want to challenge you today. You are called to a place where you can have an influence to be a voice in the darkness. We're called to be a voice. Man, do you remember how precious it was the first time you heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to show just a few pictures. There's three of these pictures, this water well that we just drilled in, in Brazil and Tierra de Paz, and you can just scroll through all three of those. And uh, I came to this village, it was a little over four years ago, and I think I shared the story some years back, and first people ever, any visitors ever coming to the village, and there was this elderly, one of the elders of the village he had had some, he'd heard the gospel before, and he just came and with tears, he said, would you help us? Would you train us? Would you help us have a church? Would you teach our kids? He said, we don't have prayer in this village. We, we don't have Jesus in this village. We need a church. That man, Juan, he would spend the next few years at our Bible Academy in Iquitos, and he graduated the program, and now he's back pastoring, and when the one well in that community that had uh, good water, good potable water, uh, it got contaminated, and so he sent word, and I just want to tell you, because of a partnership with a church like this, remember years ago, this church did so much to help us buy that well drilling equipment and ship it from Texas down into the jungles. We were able to drill this well and have a tank and all of this, and now this community, the entire community benefits because this church is being a voice. And I just want to show this last picture of our Bible Academy in Iquitos where we do a lot of the training. And uh, this is one of the wings, two levels. And so we have a big project coming up over the next two years to raise $200,000 for this. Um, and I was sharing this need with a, a friend of mine in Owensboro, Kentucky. And he calls me back on the phone about an hour later. He says, hey, my father-in-law, Pastor Barry Bivens of the Workman for Christ Cowboy Church here in Owensboro, he said, hey, when Brother David goes to Texas, you tell that church that we will match up to $30,000 anything that is given for this project. So Pastor Scott, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm believing the whole project's going to happen because uh, I'm believing a couple of millionaires walked in here today, they're going to get saved and start tithing and giving to the kingdom of God. I love this big idea I've been assigned with today to preach the good news. We'll get back to that Old Testament story in a bit, but I want to open and, and focus from this theme chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, and I'll also read verse 13. And it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And I just want to pause, and, and that, by the way, is why we need Bible translation in indigenous languages. Can somebody say amen? You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves, we're just simply your servants for Jesus' sake. 
For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. I want to read that last verse again. It's so key. But we continue to preach. Because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these scriptures, and we're so blessed that we can understand it today. And those watching online, and God, I just pray that you, you would fill us with faith, that by the Holy Spirit, you would arrest our hearts. God, that we would allow your glory to invade anything that is not of glory within us. Lord, if anybody is drowning today and, and they're listening, God, I pray that you would rescue them and save them. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do best, and that's to ignite our hearts to convince us of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. And HCF says, amen. amen. I do want to thank the pastors here, Pastor Scott and Sarah, the family, Pastors Jeremy, and all the other Alaskans that have invaded uh, your area. Uh, man, I think Texas is a new Alaska, and, and I, there's a few people that have driven around today. I saw Tricia Ritter drove up from Austin, former Alaska. I heard Josh Collins is going to be here. and So, man, so wonderful. I just feel like I'm at home. I want to tell you, you have a calling to be a voice. Even the Fergusons, they have a very unique ministry that God is calling them to, and I'm so thankful that they have a calling in a unique, a unique way to be a voice in Croatia. You're going to be a voice. In ancient times, the word we know of as gospel was used to describe the work and message of the one who ran from the battlefield to the people back in the home city, and they would shout over the city walls and through the gates to the king or the people, with the news of the victory and the salvation that was won at the battle. The runner, the messenger, was called the evangelist, and the message of salvation was the gospel. Tim Keller writes this, a gospel is an announcement of something that has happened in history, something that has been done for you that changes your status forever. It is not just good advice, it is good news. <laughs> And I want to tell you, when somebody receives that good news, it becomes the greatest news ever. How many know what I'm talking about? It's the greatest news ever. To be a voice that there is salvation, even with the reality of COVID and sin and sickness and, and political mayhem and so many wanting to try to silence the voice of truth. In the midst of all that, we can praise God for the lives that are being changed and simply to follow the Lord and to do what Paul has called us to do by faith to speak up and have a voice. But in the midst of all this, Paul also began talking about this reality, this chaos of blindness. You know, some have always been blind to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some have always been blind to it. And then some... Tragically, they drift into it. Some choose to turn a blind eye once they have known the light. But I want to tell you, we cannot be discouraged by any of that or all of that. We simply are called to be a light and to use our voice. It's tragic how it can happen. Those that have even known the Lord and, and have been set free from an addiction and 
All of a sudden, one day, they just decide, you know, I'm just going to drink one and then another. And, you know, just this one time, I'll get wasted. And then it leads to another day and another day until finally they're out somewhere and they decide to drink a few too many and they get in their car and they drive and a life is taken. And, man, the heartache wanting to look back and, and wishing that they had not been in this situation. I want to tell you, all disobedience stems from the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve, they chose to not trust God with what he said was good and evil. And they chose with what appealed to their senses, and they chose to decide for themselves what would be good and evil. And like the serpent said, their eyes were open, but it was open to sin and death and shame and nakedness. And they became spiritually blind, and that relationship with God was altered. You know, danger is ahead when we ignore the truth from God. It's ahead. About a month ago, I was in Alaska and going to preach at our old church, Church on the Rock in Wasilla, and my son-in-law came up from Homer, Alaska, and uh, we're going ice fishing out at Lake Louise area. Uh, lakes are sitting in this super huge lakes, and they're, they're all connected, and going for lake trout and burbot. And it was minus 15 degrees that day, and, and you know, I wouldn't use this illustration, but you guys are kind of getting to, into that range, you know, and I just want to prepare you, give you some little help here, a little advice for the future. And so I was out, and, uh, you know, you have these helmets that are similar to motorcycle helmets, and you put these face masks on and your goggles. And so we go to leave and head back to the lodge where my truck was parked and, and trying to get back. And my son-in-law and the guy we're with just take off going 60, 70 miles an hour. And I didn't have that face mask on just right. And it was about a 20-minute ride back to the truck. And I can see Jeremy already shaking his head. He knows what's about to happen. And and, you know, I, at first I could feel the tingling of the frost nip on my cheekbones. And, but I thought, you know, I, I've done this so many times and it's, you know, I'll just, I'll get there in time. And, but you know what happens is after time you stop feeling the sensation and that's when you know there's an issue. I got to my truck, took my helmet off, went to feel my hand and I, man, it felt like a slice of leather, like a Texas cow. And I knew right away I was in trouble. For the whole drive back to where my daughter lives, man, I was just over and over. I'm like, I was so stupid. And I was saying to myself, I wish I could have a do-over. But you know what? There's no do-overs, right? When we're stupid about something, there's no do-overs. But praise God, there are comebacks, amen? <laughs> there are comebacks. And so I've come back today, and I don't look hideous, at least super hideous this morning, preaching like I did for my former church. You know, we can turn a blind eye, and the biblical narrative that I began with of Jeroboam, the king, and this prophet, it's found in 1 Kings 13, and I'm just going to tell you the narrative and tell you the story. It's tragic because King Jeroboam, he turned a blind eye to what he knew was right. He was a man of God, called by God, appointed by God to lead in righteousness, and we don't know if it, when, he was, when he was in Egypt, when Solomon, uh, he was trying to escape from Solomon, because Solomon knew he was going to receive, you know, the kingdom there, and we don't know if it was then or later, but he saw the Israelites going down to the, the southern kingdom of Jerusalem and Judah, and going for all the pilgrimages for the feasts, and he got afraid that he would lose his power and his authority, and so he does the unthinkable he makes this golden calf and he constructs an altar, not only there in Bethel, but even up in Tel Dan. And some of you that have gone to Israel, maybe you've gone to the site in Tel Dan, and I love this location because 
for years, all the liberal theologians and agnostics and, and, and people that are humanists would say, the Bible isn't real, there's just no evidence on things. There's no evidence of David, the king of Israel, outside of the Bible. But when they were there excavating in 1993, on a slab stone, they find the inscription about the house of David. And they kept unearthing, and up on the top of the hill in the high place, they unearthed this other altar with one of the four horns still there. And you can go there and see the location of where that altar that Jeroboam had built for false worship to this day. Jeroboam, it's a tragedy. He had turned a blind eye. He turned a blind eye. And when we had left Jeroboam, and, and I, the reason I share this, there's so many little things that speak to me in the times we live in. How many know we're living in bizarre, strange times? And so... We left Jeroboam with his hand outstretched, wanting to silence the man of God, the prophet of God. And we got to give this guy a name because the Bible doesn't. So we're going to call him the altar prophet, all right? So the altar prophet was there, and the king has his hand extend, extended, and, and it's frozen. And the first thing that King Jeroboam does is he realizes what has just happened. Terror grips his heart, and he cries out to the altar prophet, and he says, please pray for me that I will be healed. What does the prophet of God do? He prays and instantly Jeroboam's hand is healed. So many things speak to me. Some will attempt to cancel and silence our voice. Even people that once knew the ways of God and understood who Jesus is and understood the light. There, tragically, there are many out there today and, and they're attacking the pastors, they're attacking the church, they're attacking you and your testimony and saying it's just a bunch of fables and, and you're narrow-minded to believe the words of God and to believe these scriptures and to have hope in a resurrection. I want to tell you, you know, it's never our job to take a bat and whack somebody, all right? <laughs> That's not our job. We leave any judgment up to God. You know, Moses came carrying the law, Muhammad came carrying a sword, and Jesus came carrying a cross, and he calls to us to carry our cross and to follow him. Some attempt to cancel and silence our voice, but the altar prophet prays and Jeroboam's hand is healed, and I just want to tell you, I've seen this happening over and over again this last year, and even for myself. I, I was in a church this last year, and somebody that used to attend church with me, they came up and pointed a finger in my face with an issue they had asked me to speak into and said, Pastor David, you are a liar. You're lying to me. And I'm saying, this is embarrassing, right in the front of the church, you know? And I'm like, what do you mean? You're a liar. You're lying. I said, no, I'm not. I'm telling you the truth, and I love you, and I care for you. And, you know, we're not to take a bat and start screaming at somebody. It's always the DNA of the people of God to demonstrate love and care and to pray prayers of healing. You know, a few months later, I get a call in a midnight hour for this person in a crisis needing prayer for a loved one that was about to die. It's always the DNA of the church to do this. Others that I used to worship with and now they spend all their time on social media just wanting to attack over and over again those who believe the truth. And I want to tell you, we need to be a voice in social media, but be careful in getting into these debates that go nowhere, right? I mean, they end up a lot of times 
not turning into a true dialogue, but two competing monologues. But in that, I'm thankful for people that will stand up on social media and say, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the truth. This is the reality. This is the darkness that is out there in our world. We, the people of God, have a calling to respond, and I love it the way that this prophet responds, the altar prophet. And it's crazy because in another moment, I mean, Jeroboam goes from wanting to silence him to please pray for me, and then his hand is healed, and then the next thing is, oh, I want to give you a gift. Uh, you know, stay with me. I want to feed you and take care of you. But the problem was the altar prophet had been given a word by God for himself that after he gave this word and prophesied against the altar, he was to immediately return back to Judah and not take the same way he came by. Within that, within that warning, within that advice, not just advice, within that input from God, there was, it was full of promise that he would make it safely back home. Imagine being the guy that goes to say this. And, and the crazy thing is this altar prophet, he was rocking it. He was doing things right for the Lord. And, and, and the King Jeroboam tries to get him to stay and the altar prophet doesn't succumb to it. He says, you could offer me up to half of your kingdom and I wouldn't stay because God has told me to return immediately. How many know that there is a kindness that the world offers that can kill? There's a kindness that the world offers and we're always to, to be the friend of sinners like Jesus was, but there's a difference from joining yourself in friendship with the world because that is enmity against God. And so that's why we are to be salt and light, to be a voice in the darkness, but never to join with the things of the world that would ravage our hearts and, and, and us choosing to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So this altar prophet doesn't give in to the king and he heads out, goes down the different road and he's tired. I can imagine it's been a hard, hot day and, and the drama of everything that unfolded and he's sitting under an oak tree, maybe just to get relief from the heat. And, but there's a, another older prophet in the town of Bethel that hears, <laughs> hears what has happened. And so he runs down, on, gets on his donkey and tracks down this altar prophet. And when he tracks him down, he says, hey, Come back to my home with me. Uh, let's have lunch. Let's eat. Let's have fellowship. And the altar prophet says, I can't do this. He, he tells him what God has told me. He says, I must return. And then the, this older prophet lies and says, oh, no, an angel just appeared to me and said, no, tell him. It's okay. You can come back. And in one of the most bizarre stories of the Old Testament, after doing everything right, I mean, this altar prophet had been rocking it. And, and if you keep reading your Bibles, 300 years later, this young man, Josiah, would arise to the throne and do everything that he had spoken. I mean, you talk about being just direct and being on point. But he gives in to this bizarre, strange invite to come with this other prophet and to give in and go against what God had told him to do. And while they're having a meal, the older prophet this time prophesies in truth. And he says, because of what you've done, you will not be buried with your ancestors. That altar prophet gets out, starts heading down the trail with his donkey, and a lion comes out and kills him, and word gets back to the older prophet. And when he arrives, there's just this lion. And we got a picture of this I want to put on the screen, a painting by Jerome. Such a bizarre thing. There's the donkey and the lion, and 
This altar prophet wasn't mauled by the lion. It's just a crazy, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a bizarre story, all right? But we live in bizarre times, don't we? And it's probably up there, top five, I think. It's up there with Lot's wife being turned to a pillar of salt. It's up there with Elisha being called a bald head by the 42 youth, right? And he curses them, and two bears come out and maul them to death. And man, just imagine uh, your youth pastor, you know, youth camp gone bad, and he has to come back and explain <laughs> what happened because Kelly Breaker, myself, was preaching the conference. <laughs> But the reason I want us to consider this Bible story is there's so many things that speak to, to my heart today and the culture that we're in with this, this darkness out there that is trying to pervade and push back against the light, trying to silence our voice. And I wanted us to consider this altar prophet because I want to tell you what, up to this point, man, he was doing everything right. He's up there with, in my book with Isaiah, Ezekiel, with people like Joseph and Daniel, but reason is this, every one of us has eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Every one of us falls short. Every one of us, except for the one that Paul is writing about, Jesus Christ, who died for you and for me and then sends his spirit to empower us so that we can live according to his spirit, overcoming all the temptation in this dark world. The enemy will try to use so many tactics to blind your mind, to get you to turn a blind eye. But I'm thankful for those that are choosing to be a voice, that are seeing the light and displaying the light. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14, 16 to 18. It says, and this veil can be removed, this, this blindness can be removed only by believing in Christ. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit, I love this, makes us more and more like Him. As we are changed into His glorious image, I am so glad that you and I are part of a better covenant. The covenant that Jesus established for all mankind. And, and this gospel is going out all over the world. We've heard stories going into South America, going into Europe, going into Asia, going into Africa. And it's going to keep going out into Texas. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. I want to tell you the end of our story is not lying on the side of a road dead because a lion got a hold of us. Our end is going to be a future with Jesus Christ for all eternity. Amen. And we want to take as many with us as we can. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. And I want to prophetically declare this over HCF that you are going to be more and more like Jesus in 2021. And the result of that, the consequences of this crazy group of people that fellowship here is going to be this, that there will be more and more people bringing more and more glory to Jesus. All through the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to share a story with you, a video story of a friend of mine, Samuel Warden, and he goes to the same church I attend in Battleground, Washington. 
Church on the Rock there, and I think this will speak to some that maybe you're watching online today, and maybe you know in your heart that you've turned a blind eye to the things of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want you to know that there's hope for you that you can be restored. Let's watch this video. Hi, my name is Samuel, and my wife and I, Cindy, have been coming to Church on the Rock for about a little over a year. It's, it's the healthiest body of believers I've ever been involved with going to church. A year and a half ago, I was living on the streets of Portland, Oregon. I had many, many addictions. I had uh, um, a heroin addiction and a meth addiction. I was an alcoholic and I was homeless and I was broken. And uh, I lived in a state of brokenness. And um, April 28th, of 2018, uh, I had an encounter <laughs> with Jesus. And um, I cried out to the Lord in desperation. I was terrified and I was broken. And I knew, uh, I, I knew that um, I needed to be rescued. Something had spoken out of me and it wasn't me and it terrified me, utterly terrified me. And I lifted my hands. I got up from where I was sitting and I lifted to my hands up to the Lord. And I said, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. <laughs> There's a story of the Legion in the Bible. And I think it's in Mark 5. And um, he said to Jesus uh, after his deliverance, the Lord had delivered him, and I, and I, I relate a lot to his story in the Bible. Um, and uh, he he asked Jesus. He said, "Can I come with you?" And Jesus suffered him not, but said to him, "Go and tell your friends about the great and wonderful things." <laughs> The Lord your God has done for you. The Word of God says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's right. He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And let me tell you something. I was redeemed. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He saved me and he set me free. And he loves me. And he loves you. He loves you so much that he suffered and died on a cross. He shed his blood for you and his and he was resurrected on the third day and that resurrection power is still in his name today the fact of the matter is i shouldn't be here <laughs> i should not be uh clothed and in my right mind and um proclaiming the goodness of god because i come from a lot of brokenness but, but then Jesus, I found God's mercy. I found his love. I found him. He gave me a wife. I have a, a three-year-old daughter. 
that I hadn't seen for over a year. Her name is Isabella. And uh, the Lord has brought her back into my life. I see her on a regular basis. To describe my life in a single word, it's beautiful. Which you all could come with me and go see the ministry this man and his wife have. They, they probably feed, they have a feeding ministry to those that are homeless, those that are in need, and they distribute food. <laughs> and they have so much food coming to them now to their ministry and that they can't, they can't even give it away fast enough and deal with it. Their garage is totally packed. <laughs> they use it to, as a food distribution center for people in Portland, Oregon. And he told me, saw him a couple Sundays ago, and he said that his ministry has changed a little bit. They're actually now having to go and take it into the homes where people are at and with elderly people. And what a beautiful thing. And I share this story because maybe there's somebody watching today that feels like the darkness has so overwhelmed them, there is no hope. I want to tell you, there is always hope. The power of Jesus, the light of Jesus, his voice is more powerful than all the other voices that would accuse you and come against you. And I just prophesy over this church that this church is going to be an unstoppable church with a clear vision and be a voice of good news. And all of the missionaries going out from this church are going to do the same. I'm going to close with this passage and we're going to pray. This is actually Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. One, chapter 1, verses 18 to 23, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and in his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, I need that power. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I want you to stand with me and I want to pray for you today as we close this time out and then we're going to go into a time of worship where you can just connect with God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these scriptures that we've looked at and these Bible stories. and God, the faith that has come from hearing the testimony of missionaries all over the planet. So God, right now, if there's anybody watching online, anybody in this place that is living in a place of darkness, maybe this is the first time they've ever sensed the light of the gospel. Maybe this is the first time they've ever heard the voice of grace and truth. 
Right now, if that's you, you can just cry out the way Samuel did and say, Jesus, save me. And you'll receive this gospel. You'll receive Jesus Christ. You'll become a new person in Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've drifted from the things of God. You've turned a blind eye to things that you once believed in. You're now in a a moment of crisis, a time of crisis. We want you to know there is no shame that this church is going to heap on your life. We'll simply be there to help restore you and bring you the light of the gospel of Jesus. All you have to do is cry out, say, Jesus, Jesus, forgive me, Jesus. I need your light. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.